Let's do this, gentlemen. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Chris, you ready? I'm I'm golden. I've I've been running for a little bit. One more slug off my beverage here. Everybody got a drink? Yeah, I got some water. Love it. Okay. And what's your what's your beverage of choice? Well, I've got a a nice rose mixed with the a Sierra Nevada um, sour. I know. It's called What? All right, big city, yeah. Kansas City, how you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts. We are coming to you not exactly live from the home of Chris Mowry, our producer today, but from our individual homes. We are pleased as punch to have our guest, Ann Stewart, co-owner of Records with Merit. How are you doing, Ann? I'm fantastic, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We've had our previous podcast all done, as I mentioned, in Chris's house, masked up. But since we are doing this virtually, it now allows us to be mass free from our homes with potentially beverages of choice. I know Chris has got a little uh, mad dog over there, Thunderbird, I think. And one more time. What was that? Also known as Agua. Okay. Agua Jeva Bear. (laughs) And what was your, do you want to detail that? It's a nice rosé with a Sierra Nevada, um, slightly sour ale. It's their wild little thing. I discovered this a couple of months ago. I mean, I felt validated when the old crusty dude at, at Mike's was like, nice choice. So I feel like my <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love it. A wild thing. Wild. wild. Is that T-H-A-N-G? Uh, there's no, it's not a thing. It's just a thing. Okay. Understood. Yes. This is our, what, Chris, fourth episode now? Yep. And... Each program tries to focus on a little bit about, well, first of all, we talk about our calendar, a little bit on our guest life, career, talk about what are some good things happening in Kansas City, and then what are some things, particularly in the music industry, that the Kansas City community could use. Uh, Calendar-wise, Anne, is there anything you want to talk about? There are a bunch of shows. All of a sudden, it seems like things are coming back. it's just a flurry this month. And maybe that's partially because of the weather. Uh, if you could see me right now, I'm sweating. I just sunburned from working out at the Mutual Musicians Foundation all day for a show tomorrow. But and any come in the next few weeks on your radar besides working six days a week? Well, um, as you know, this year, um, you know, our, our biggest days of the year are, are um, record store day, and. Um, had to get postponed a couple of times and so decided to do it into three, what they're calling drops. And so we have our third and final push in about three weeks. Um, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been a challenge, but you know, I actually had a customer tell me, give me some perspective. She said, you know, as hard as this is, is on you as an owner, it allows us to have a bigger budget because I can save up each month and spend more money in more stores. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. So interesting. Uh, yeah, so we've got that coming up, and then Black Friday, and then we're into our busy season. What was the original date for Record Store Day? That's like March. It's April. It was like the April. Oh, you're right. In, or third Saturday in April. You're correct. It's April. And then the rescheduled triple header, the first one was August. August, end of August, um, two weeks then, ago, end of September, and now, um, now October. What's, is that date? Is that the 24th? It's the 24th. I got on my calendar. Yeah. Okay. And how does that work? Are they giving you like the same number of releases they would normally give you for the record store day kind of split over the three dates or is it more yeah. titles? No, it's, it's exactly the same list. These were all pressed, you know, last year. So okay. just been sitting around and, and, and wanting to move on them. And they even released some of the titles early, but um, no, it's the same thing. And um it's, it's always a shock when we pull up to the store at six o'clock in the morning and we see people in line, uh, a line out the door. So um, it's, it's, and you, you've heard me say this many times, Patrick, that it's one of the most frustrating times of the year, but at the same time, it's the most gratifying because people come out, not just because they want the exclusives, but they just want to show their appreciation for what we do on a daily basis. So. Heck yeah. I watched that. Really neat. A couple of films about it. Uh, 
recently is it Vinyl Nation, I believe. Okay. Yes. I think they filmed some of that at Mills um, with Judy and her great crew over there. And just for me to see the people lined up, to see the excitement, you know, it's like, like holding gold. In some ways, it's like having, let's not get into religion, but Christmas or your birthday, you know, multiple times rather than just that one date. Yes. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people, people cried because they've gotten, they stood in line and got what they wanted. And, um, mm. you know, in our particular case, because we are a smaller store. And so, you know, people will hedge their bets, but there, there are customers who, met each other and became friends as a result of lining up every single year at our store for record store day. It's and like a, each other once a year, but, th but that's their thing. It's like a family reunion in some ways, I would imagine. It really is. It really is. And then is the plan, I know we talked about this the other day when I visited you at the store to do a black Friday with the day after Thanksgiving record store day. Well, <laughs> wasn't necessarily my plan, but it was the official record store day's plan. So we're just waiting to get a list from them. So yep, we'll do it. Okay. Wow. So that's basically four months. Four months. And I'm sure that's also, I mean, I've heard that, you know, some of those record store days are so good for business that that's several months revenue, if not more for some record stores. Absolutely. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that people, I joked to Ann that Mary and I was going to be there at five last couple of weeks ago, but I think I stayed too late at um, Lemonade Park. Um, <laughs> whoops. I want to mention a couple of things on our, we have a, a big show tomorrow night, the Mutual Musicians Foundation Center Cut is partnering with them to pair a couple of Kansas City artists and they don't have to be Center Cut affiliated with a couple of foundation members. So we have the Black Creatures with Desmond Mason, Ernest Melton, a couple of just amazing musicians. We've convinced Glenn North to come and say a couple of words. Uh, to kick things off, we're very excited about where that could go. We hope to do some more series in the spring when it gets warm. That's a great idea. Oh, so it's it's a dream. Yeah, I, I do a whole podcast on that. Um, our artist Fritz Hutchison has an awesome show this weekend with True Lions and Cadillac Flambe at Lemonade. Chris, you'll be there. Yep. And then uh, next night is the Get Up Kids. Oh. And, that, and that's sold out already, right? Yeah, and that's specifically a benefit for. Uh, record bar. I don't think uh, the right. kids or any of those guys are, I think casket lotteries on it as well. I don't think they're uh, taking any money from it. All sales and stuff are going to record bar. That's so that is beautiful. Right. Anne. I mean, the way people pull together in this city and have you been to Lemonade Park? I, I, not, I, I mean, it's just, you know, as you mentioned, it's just scheduling, but I've heard right. nothing but beautiful, beautiful things. Oh, and yeah. I, we would expect nothing less from, from, Steve and Chris and that whole crew of just really top notch with everything they do. Thank you. Oh, you, yeah, you, and the staff is awesome. It's so safe. It's so inviting. Um, they've got a couple more shows coming up in the 16th Schwerbahn and, and Mary know how Jim and I feel about that particular group. Artist, same, yeah. Beautiful human beings, Matt Roth and Ann Turner with Dan Jones and the Squidge share UK next night is orchestra, orchestra del Sol Sol. That promises to be amazing. Everything Les does is great. Um, New, New Black event. City. New Black City's on that one as well. Oh, that's the same night. Mm -hmm. With orchestra? Yeah. It, what's, what's amazing about a lot of those bills is every single artist is just outstanding. Yeah. You know, which is true of what Record Bar usually presents, I would have to say, especially local artists. Um, be sure to just get on their website because I can go on with dates forever. The ship is back in session again. We've got Rex Hobart on the 13th. Always great to see him. I know Kadesh Flo and Jessica Page are playing on the 16th. Mm -hmm. A couple of special programs, The Sound of Kansas City on October 18th um, at the World War I Memorial. Just a who's who of Kansas City artists. That looks to be fascinating. Um, on the 24th of October, that day seems like, that's Record Store Day, and yeah. there are like 10 shows that day. Yeah. Um, artist Fritz is at the ship, Americana making movies, big festival, which is kind of more from Carnival and a few other things, but it's really a big benefit for their program, artist mentorship. Um, so just trying to tell you all, get out while you can. Chris and I were just discussing, we don't really know what's going to happen moving into these late fall, winter months, moving indoors. You've got a lot of places that have really embraced the safety community and great live music, try to support these artists, try to support these venues, and uh, make an appearance at one before the snow falls.
Welcome back to Center Cuts. We are here with Ann Stewart, co-owner of Records with Mayor. We kind of broke down our calendar a little bit. And in this portion of the podcast, we like just to get to know a little bit about our guest. And although I've been frequenting, frequenting your lovely establishment for a while now, I'll be honest, I don't know the whole backstory about Ann Stewart. Like no. from Kansas City, transplant, family, do you want to um, start yeah. somewhere? I am from Kansas City. I was born in Wichita. Mm. There till the age of three. I'm the youngest of four children, so I'm literally the spoiled youngest child. So my you're son, the baby. I'm the baby. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh okay. yeah. Oh. Spoiled brat. So okay. my siblings are six, nine, and ten years older. I was born on my um, brother's uh, ninth birthday, much to his chagrin. Um, legend, legend says that he tried to trade me in for a car at the age of 16 and that didn't work too well. So, um, great brother. Sounds yeah, just like someone I know. Great brothers. Um, so yeah. And then oh, all um, brothers. Sorry. Ann. No, I have a sister. She's That's sister. what I thought. Yeah. Okay. So we, okay. we, we lived in Wichita. Then we moved to Dallas. My dad career took him to Dallas and we're there for about 10 years and then moved back to Kansas city. Okay. Um, back to Wichita or Kansas city proper. Kansas city proper. Okay, what was going on in Dallas? Your dad, what was he doing? Um, my dad um, worked for Commonwealth Theaters. He was in the theater distribution business for 50 plus years. So literally started out as a drive-in manager and mm. went way up to CEO. Um, so, you know, there, he traveled all the time. You know, our childhood vacations were spent going from theater to theater, like I only seen half of a movie because we had to move as a district manager, we had to move and, you know, go visit the next theater and see what they were doing and making mm -hmm. sure they were messed up. So um, well, that's what we did. So I didn't have to pay for a movie until I was in my mid twenties. I had no idea it was so expensive. <laughs> really? Now this when you think- ridiculous. This is highway robbery. When you say distribution, you mean the motion picture company releases it and then you find the theaters he, that want he, to have it? No, he, he, they own theater. So Commonwealth Theater had overnight- oh. Brains nationwide. Understood. Yeah. Oh, Chris, you it used to be in the um, here in town. I think it was Bannister Mall, Ranch Mart. That was my kind of my home. That was my Ranch Mart was my playground. And in Lawrence, before it was a venue, the Granada. So that I grew up at 99th in a row. Ranch Mart was my deal. And actually, probably the best part about that movie theater was right across the uh, the the hallway, I suppose, mm -hmm. there was a, wasn't, it wasn't Camelot music. I think there it was Camelot. There was a, there was a record store in there and they had the, like the very first video games ever, like Tron or, well, it wasn't the very first or Dragon's, Dragon's Lair. Yeah. And so it was like one-stop shopping while, you know, mom and dad are waiting to get the tickets. I just go grab a 45 or two or play a quick vid. Yep. Now. My dad built that theater. That's interesting. And I'm sure, Chris, you, you're a huge movie fan. You two could probably just take over at this point. Discuss. Was that something that you followed on later in life? Like a, an interest in film? Or was that something that was just like, ah, oh, this is what my dad does? And You know, that's a great question that I've asked myself. Like, my dad never pushed any of his children to go into the business. Mm -hmm. I think, as I've reflected over the last years that we've owned this store, I think it falls in line, the sort of the theatricality of it falls in line with what I'm doing now and, and, and showmanship and retail. I learned all that from my dad because my dad mm -hmm. was a true, true showman. So, mm -hmm. you know, it all, it all stems from that. Was Kansas City, I'm curious, a uh, launching point for films or were there it was. premieres the, or? Yeah, and, and Chris, you may know this about Film Row down in the crossroads. I, uh, one of the I, largest... Uh, production uh, outlets in, in the entire country. Yeah, it's huge. Hmm. There's a very well, um, and, and uh, well, lots of actors and actresses made their, uh, started here, but yeah, it, it's, it's a very well storied um, piece of history, Kansas City in, in theater. Can you give me that time period? Because I'm learning how ignorant I am about this city, specifically with the recording industry here, with like the record production stuff here. What, 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 film row? Like, yeah, in the, in the 20s and 30s. 20s and 30s, so like leading into the depression. Mm -hmm. What caused that, uh, why, why was it here? Or what, 
where did that come from? That's a great question. That I don't, that I need to do my. Uh... And I, I don't know, Disney? That's like the one name, you know, oh. he's like, oh, Walt Disney used to live here. I'm like, well, I don't know much about him. That, would that be the same time period or even before that? Maybe even before that. Yeah, he, I, always... and, and he wasn't here very long as far as yeah. I can remember. Like he was born here and then hightailed it. But um, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the film row. That's, that's uh, fascinating. I need to dig into that. Yeah. Kind, kind of like a lot of camp. I mean, think about Hemingway, you know, you pretty much had like the three to five year period where they were just rock stars and they bailed for whatever other shores. Um, did you have any encounters with, you know, like movie executives or actors, actresses? Because I'd, I'd asked Jim that, uh, my business partner, Jim Andrews, on our first podcast in the publishing industry. And he was just saying they had people around the house from time to time, writers, artists, things like that. Was that something you were exposed to? Well, I wasn't exposed to it, but my parents were. Uh, back Back in the day, and I don't know what the modern equivalent of this would be, that they would, they would go to conventions every year, um, film conventions, where the movie studios would try out the biggest stars and whatever movies they were going to promote that year. And they met with, you know, theater executives. And it was a, you know, like a week-long bacchanalia with, you know, theaters and uh, executives and, and actors and actresses. And, and honestly, if you want to name any major star of, of the day, um, from John Wayne to um, Robert Redford to... Betty Reynolds. I mean, literally we wow. have a laundry list of every single person that my parents have met. And, and we have um, books of pictures with them, um, with, with different celebrities. And, you know, hmm. um, they were on the, they were on the Dune set watching Sting uh, film Dune. And, you know, so it's a, it's a pretty, and I think I've told you this, Patrick, that um, my parents um, went to the Oscars. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, my, my dad loved it because he, he loved all of that. My mom, in, in t very typical Mary Stewart fashion, couldn't be bothered. It was too much trouble to get all dressed up and, go and the thing. And then you couldn't eat for hours where she just wanted to be at home and watch it on her couch with her scotch and water in hand. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Isn't there, when you walk into Records with Merit, why do I feel like right on, is that the bulletin board? There's yeah. some. There's a picture of uh, my dad with Debbie Reynolds. Okay. Um, we have hundreds of photographs like that, and uh, you know, one of one of our claims to fame. Um, now, now I'm going to forget people's names because I had wine and beer. Um, that my parents were invited to a very exclusive party in the in the '80s, um, very big fundraiser in in California, and Sinatra was there, and and everybody you can literally anybody you can imagine were there, and um, they did a um, a. Sinatra released a record and only the people who were ever who were invited to that party, I think they were maybe 1500 ever made, um, got that exclusive Sinatra record. So Marion and I have that. Um, and, and our Ooh. goal was someday to get on Antiques Roadshow and, and have it appraised, but yeah, it's, it's special. Yeah. Now, and your, your mother passed recently. So I she know did. that, I know that you're, you've had some family gatherings to celebrate her life of your four siblings, have any of you ever discussed possibly trying to collect some, I think the word's ephemera, you know, like like photos and, and, and bills of things and, you know. Oh, Patrick, I could, I could retire tomorrow if my parents had saved, if, you know, oh. dad got all those movie posters, all talk about ephemera, all of that stuff. I mean, cause he was, he was active in the, in the Star Wars era. If he would have hung on to one thing. Ah. I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. I'd be. You know, <laughs> now do you have like a, a scrap, a scrapbook or something to we hold on to? Scrapbook of pictures, but but you know that's only memorable to my to my family. But I'm talking literally. If he had saved any of that stuff from any of those theaters, oh, I don't. Even, thanks, Dad. Yeah, those vintage posters can go for for you quite know, a bit. Yeah. My my other my side note, but my other story like that with my dad. So 20, 30 years ago, uh, I guess 20, 25 years ago. Um, one of his golfing buddies who happened to be the father of a kid I went to high school with came to my dad and said, you know, my son's starting this little, this little company. Um, uh, it's called three dog bakery and they're going to sell, they're going to sell stuff for like dog treats. Do you want to get on, on the ground floor of that investment? And my dad I'm like, why the hell would I want to do something like that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Again, dad, I could be retired now. Had you. Right. Right. 
Well, all I'm suggesting is, you know, we, we might not know a publisher or two who would be interested in collecting some of the stories as well. I mean, it sounds like that's a big part of Kansas City history. And again, I'm completely ignorant of it. Um, let's, let's consider that for a future episode slash project, because I know you have tons of free time. <laughs> we all do. We're all just sitting around. So grew up Wichita, then moved, came back. Did you go to school like later on Kansas City or? What do you mean? I mean, just like post high school stuff. What did you? Post high school, I went to KU and graduated KU with an You're English. You're a Jayhawk? Program. I'm a Jayhawk. Oh, well, that's, see, that's, the interview's done. That's, that's all I had to hear. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So did, th did that, and then because I decided to be an English major, what was I going to do post-graduation? There you go. Double yeah. bonus. I mean, so I went to law school. Um, I got a scholarship to the University of Denver College of Law, or we'd like to call it the Yale of the West. And the what of the West? The Yale of the West. The Yale of the West? Yale. Oops. Okay. I got it. I got it. A little slow. Um, I, lost uh, I can still hear you, but I can't see you. Um, so yeah, did did that graduated with uh, from University of Denver College of Law, and when I when we went out there for the um, to meet with the registrar, um, the registrar said, you know, ninety percent of the people who move out here for law school don't want to leave Denver. I said, well, that's certainly not me. <laughs> and then sixteen, seventeen years later, I moved right. back to the city. But um, yeah, so. so so you stayed in Denver? I stayed in Denver. Uh, I loved Denver. Um, and I, I practiced law, but it was not, I loved, I loved law school, but I did not love the practice of law. Um, if I had it to do all over again, if I could just sit in a room and do research and write briefs all day, that's what I should have done. But I tried my hand at litigation and absolutely hated it and just had to get out of it. Um, and Stuart, so, yes. I had no idea. I try to pride myself on doing a little bit of due diligence on our guests oh. trying to google you you know there are a couple Ann Stewart's out there but needless to say I didn't know you studied law didn't know you practiced law yeah. <laughs> didn't know you lived in Denver for 16 years oh, yeah. why, why, the heck, why the heck did you come back to Kansas City I don't I know ask you. Patrick that's the that's an age-old question well because my family was here and they were my parents were aging and and you know what starting to experience bad health. What year was that? You moved back to KC? 2001. Okay, I moved back in 2005, so roughly about the same time since you yeah. moved back. Let's go back to the law practice one more time, though. So yeah. had, you, had it just run its course? Were you... It, I just, it just was not... Uh, my oldest brother, and this is probably where I decided I should do this, he was born to be a lawyer. I mean, he, he was born to be in a courtroom. He's got that personality. Um, I do not. I, I absolutely hated it. I hated, uh, I did a little bit of everything. I did some uh, uh, divorce work. I did some medical malpractice, which was actually the most satisfying thing mm. I ever did. Mm. And um, had, had one case that sort of still 25 years later is still kind of the highlight of my legal career. Um, do you want to do you want to tell us? Well, sure. It was just it was a um, it was a case where the family a, a kid had been born with and with some health issues and uh, was a failure to thrive, but he was given an um, uh, an overdose of a of a drug and um, mm. had you know severe disabilities after that. And this was just mm. a very a family with no means, very, very humble uh, family living in rural Colorado, and they'd been turned down by a lot of lawyers. And mm. uh, when it came across our desk, and we took the case, and, I, and, and this is where I get my love of just sitting and, and reading data, um, poured over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of medical records and, and literally found the smoking gun where mm. they overdosed it and admitted within the records they overdosed it. So we were able to get a you know, at the time, a, a very substantial settlement for, for that family that changed their mm -hmm. life. And it, in, in that they, they had the means to take care of their son who would never go past a the mental capacity of a, you know, two to three year old, but they could, mm -hmm. they could take care of the rest of their life. And, mm -hmm. and 
that, you know, that was, that was meaningful, but so much of my other legal career was people paying me to argue over a ladder and who gets a ladder, paying me 150 bucks an hour to get a ladder. Mm -hmm. I found no joy in that. So. I think that speaks to your character though, Anne, in that, and when you think about the current health care situation in America, when you see how the law can be so easily skirted by people who have means these days and then people that don't have any representation, I imagine you'd be a perfect fit for that. Yeah. Trying, trying to help the person that actually needs help actually. <clears throat> instead of just trying to argue over a ladder. Right. Um, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good fit for the law. It, it, it just wasn't my thing. And so I sort of tooled around for a bit, trying to find what, what I was passionate about, what mm-hmm. I did enjoy teaching, going back to school. I don't know. Um, and, and finally, um, stumbled into retail and retail this, management. This was 2001 or so when you moved back yeah. here. Uh huh. Okay. Now, did that start your career at Barnes and Noble? It did. Okay. What was your, and again, I never even knew that you worked there. I don't know until maybe a year ago, not even. What was your position there? What were you doing there? Um, I started out, you know, very early on as just a, a clerk, a cashier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And rose um, through management, started at the store out in Leewood, moved to pl- the plaza in, I think, 2008 um, as an assistant store manager, then became the store manager. Well, that's a, that's a big change from practicing law to, you know, basically re- reinventing yourself in a way. It was. And, and that's where I think some of, the, some of what I saw at the foot of my father brought me into that because it's, uh, as I was training young employees, I'd always tell them, you know, when you're on that floor, you're on, you're putting on a show mm-hmm. and you need to treat it as such. And, and this is your theater. And, and so I think I got that from my dad. Wow. Um, okay. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah. I was going to say something, something specifically that I remember fondly about Barnes and Noble when I was younger uh, in high school days, um, there's the one up there uh, by the plaza and, and all, or not by the plaza, uh, Zona Rosa had one and uh, it would be just grabbing a CD and being able to scan the barcode and yeah. just sit there and listen to a couple tracks and figure out if this is something you would like. Like mm-hmm. kids today will never understand that. Right. <laughs> they just exactly. will never get that. Right. No. No, it was pretty magical. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's probably when I first met Marion, your partner and business partner. And I didn't know she was Marion at that time, but it was probably like, hey, I want to listen to this song. And uh, you've got this new, um, I don't know, Tom Waits or whatever. And she's like, well, you just go, go to their little thingy and run the thing by the thingy and you can listen to it. I'm like, what? They do that stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, how, and then how long were you at? Barnes and Noble, that's probably 15 years? No. Um, Can't yeah. be that long. I left in 2015. June okay, 20, 2015. Yeah. I, I want to go back to your childhood for one second, maybe later, but kind of while we're on this career arc just for a second, what caused you then to take that plunge and decide to get out of Barnes and Noble slash retail and start a record store? Because that's just nuts. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Certifiable. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, so you you t- you speak of Marion, and anybody who shopped at the Plaza came across Marion. But half the city bought a CD or a DVD from Marion. Mm-hmm. She at the time when when that store was at its heyday, she had the largest music store. Oh yeah. In the region. I mean, she she ran that and people knew Marion and they knew they could trust her. And Mm -hmm. she really, um, so in 20, 20, beginning of 2014, she had slowed down. She didn't want to manage that department anymore because, you know, quite frankly, uh, that company was changing and she wasn't happy with the direction it was going in and she just wasn't happy. And so we looked at each other and it is, it is something Several years before that, when when um, we had learned that Jack White had launched his vinyl van, we looked at each other and said, "God, what a great idea!" Yeah, we could buy a van, 
we could go down to the crossroads on first Fridays or on weekends or hang out outside a concert and, and do something like that. So we seriously looked into buying a van and, and trying to figure out how to make that work. And mm. then sort of when 2014 came, it's like, well, or we could just open brick and mortar. And that was just, you know, <laughs> um, after it was, just, it was starting to come back. I mean, at the time, Vinyl Wren, um, Judy had been open not even a year yet, about six months. Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know what? You know, with Marion's background in music, I mean, she was the little kid with the transistor to her ear from the age of three to forever. Like mm-hmm. it was with her at all times. You mm-hmm. know, her, her deep knowledge, um, her work on KKFI for, for all those years. And, and it just seemed like the natural progression for her. So we opened up in um, May of 2014. I stayed at Barnes & Noble for a year, but it, it, my heart wasn't in it. And it was also about to kill me. Mm. Literally, it was like, I, if I don't get off this hamster wheel, I will be hospitalized. Yeah. So um, we, we, I committed you know, full time to that and, and that's all she wrote, so. Had, I'm assuming you two had been seeing each other prior to that decision. We, yeah, yeah we've, we've been together now. We've even lost track because we're that old people. Um, I think we've been together <laughs> about 12 years. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, so okay. When, when, I, when I first went to work, for the first year I was at Barnes & Noble, in very typical Marian fashion, she pretended not to know who I was, um, even though I had to sit across from her at a manager meeting, you know, every Monday. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, one of her first, her, her opening line to me was, hey, I wanted to send you a copy of this. I think it was a podcast or, or some webinar. She's like, now, what's your name? I'm like, really, Marion? A year? Love it. Love, Love it. it. Plain boy. Oh That's so typical, Marion. That's the way you do it. She's smooth. She's smooth like that. So, that, so yeah. So you, you'd been together for four years, three years? I'm a little off right now. Shouldn't have had that sip of that well, cocktail. Than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in the, you know, the great thing for us is we have always lived together and worked together. And mm. so it's, that's never been, you know, we were, we were made for a pandemic. Bring it on. That, we have to stay on. Well, if you say so, that, because that was going to be my next question. I, when I see couples that are artists together, for example, in a band together, like what's that dynamic like? Like we work together slash we live together. It's very similar, I think, in your two cases. I mean, I feel like some people, they have it. And for some people, that was maybe not a good decision for the relationship. Or they just have to separate that to keep one of the other relationship, I suppose. I think we figured it out very early on that, um, you know, you, you learn to pick your battles and, and what are you fighting over? And um, Right. Were you, as a, as a child or growing up or teen years or law practicing years, were you a big music consumer, fan? Was that something that music in the house? Obviously film was, we've talked about that growing up or later. Oh, music. My mother, you know, to, to the very end, um, loved to sing. Uh, I grew up with the Great American Songbook and, mm. and, and she used to sing all the time. And so, yeah, we grew up with records and, and because I had older siblings, you know, early on, um, they, that was when Chicago was big and, and my two brothers and uh, I were all in band and, you know, we, back in the day, back in Texas, they called you a band weenie. And uh, so- One more time, sorry, band what? Uh, band weenie. Oh, okay, got you, band weenie. That was, official, that was the official turn. So we were all in band and marching band and that kind of stuff. Um, what, was your, what was your instrument? Um, I was a clarinetist, so it was my brother mm. and my sister-in-law and my oldest brother was a trombonist. Mm. So yeah, I always grew up um, with music and, and my oldest brother bought me my first two albums, which were Tugboat Annie and The Wall. And uh, Tugboat Annie? Not tug, Dreamboat Annie. Dreamboat Annie. I was going to say, oh. I, I'm Tugboat awesome. Annie. Yeah, no. uh, Dreamboat Annie. And, and oh my uh, God. So, Love it. Yeah. Now, would you say you were more influenced by your mother's choices with the Great American Songbook or your older siblings? Like, were you listening to, it's like the first Chicago album or are we talking like Peter Cetera later Chicago? Oh, no. God forbid. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, no, I just wanted to clarify for the audience. No, 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 no. That seventies Chicago stuff with the horn. Oh, that first album. 
Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's that's okay. what I grew up with. So um, it was a little bit of everything. Okay. Everything. Um, then I think there was a period of time when music, for whatever reason, wasn't playing a prominent role in my life. And then um, when I first went to work at Barnes and Noble in um, Denver, um, I worked in the music department, and so I would buy CDs right, left, and everywhere, and uh, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and Marion's been a huge influence on 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 me musically. It's, no way. I feel so. I feel sorry for you actually, because I've I've said it before. It's like I walk every time I walk into that store, whether it's you, whether it's Marion, Mark Manning is usually holding court there. It's like getting sucked into a spider web, and I just cannot get out. Whether it's something that you're recommending actually, or my eye catches on something, and you know I'm not particularly looking to go drop whatever sum I'm going to drop that day. I really, just want to stop by and say hi. And next thing you know. Um, I'm walking out with quite a bit of awesome music. So I can imagine Marion has suggested a couple of titles for you. Let's, let's kind of wrap up this first segment. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's like running a record store. That's just something I want to ask you. Um, you know, um, it's, I tell people, you know, go work for yourself and you'll never work harder in your life, but you'll, you, there's absolutely nothing more satisfying. And I, and I, I think you know this now with, with center cut. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a seven day a week, 365 days out of the year yep. job, but it, it's, you know, music stores, record shops have always been this way. They're, they're a community center. And absolutely. And, and, you know, my, my job is part, you know, retailer, uh, psychiatrist, uh you name it you know mm-hmm. and the the thing that i that i love the most that never gets old and it never ceases to um actually make me tear up is that that so many of our you know friday afternoons at the store we've got customers who have met each other there and they've become like family to each other right so it's it's just the sense of community that i have with these people and and you know kids who are who I now consider our, our sons and, and daughters and uh, after six years. So I, I will never take that for granted. And, and particularly, you know, in the last six months. And you, you both are so nurturing as far as welcoming people to the community, even including young children, for example. I think I made a Facebook post at some point about like picking a favorite record store is like picking a favorite child as a parent. Like they're all different. They're all unique. One one thing. And we want you to shop at all of them. Absolutely. And love all of them. One one thing I will say I've always loved about records with merit is the, the number of live performances that you offer and especially, you know, DIY, like kids coming up from everywhere. You're just giving them a platform to share the art that they want to create and it's such a, it's a pretty compact store, right? Let's just, if you're going to go see a performance there, you're on top of the artist or they're on top of you. Right. Uh, and my major concern usually is not spilling my drink on your, some of your precious vinyl. But those kind of events, I just see the community that you've built there. Can you talk just a little bit about how people have responded during the last six months during the pandemic as far as, I mean, because you, you were not open for what, maybe? For two months. We, two we months. March 14th and then reopened when, when the mayor cleared the way in, on May 15th. Were you? Um, but we, we, I did, still did some curbside delivery and, you know, okay. shopping by appointment. And, and our website went from, you know, five hits a week to 50 hits a week. So yeah, so that's, that's been a blessing. But um, it's, you know because we're so small, I mean, that's the thing that saved us during the pandemic, we're small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were able to absorb this, um, you know, very, very well. But when we, when we opened the doors on May 15th, honestly, neither of us knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if anybody would knock, walk through the door and it's been quite the opposite. I've talked to other people in the kind of record industry and they've experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. That people listened to all the music they had, they needed new music. Great, mm-hmm. come on in. Mm-hmm. Our, our space, because it's a smaller space, was a real safe space to come to. And literally, this was people's entertainment for the weekend. 
come in. I'm going to offer you a beer, a glass of wine, a soda, dig through the stuff, get some new music, and, and, and that's your entertainment. And, and people had more disposable income because they weren't spending it on travel and, and entertainment. And so they were very specific. But, they, but also, they genuinely wanted to come in and support a small business. I love it. You know, I get people come in every day and they give me that look like, how are you guys doing? I'm like, we're good. Thank yeah. you for asking. I'm yeah. fine. I appreciate right. your concern and, and, and thank you so much for thinking of us. And it's just like we've kind of, you know, I, I think one of the things this pandemic has done is made all of us consider about how we spend our consumer dollars. And if I see that your business is not um, looking out for, for my family and, and my well-being and don't care about my health, then I will choose to spend my money elsewhere. You're just showing me. Uh, right. The Stuart Merritt family motto is always, when people show you who they are, believe them. So as hmm. people show me who they are during this, this crisis, um, I believe you and I will no longer frequent your business. When people show you how they are, believe them. show you who they are. Show you who they are, believe them. Yes. Kind of like actions, right? Speak louder than words. Right. Let's say, well, it's, yeah. One thing I failed to mention too to the audience is Records with Merit. I we won't even say specializes only sells new vinyl, right? And so, if you are looking for new releases, <laughs> that's that's you know the place to go. Obviously, I mean, very well curated. Totally forgot to mention the fact that they have during the performances there might be some beverages for adults lying around the store. I believe we have our own personal bottle stash somewhere, kind of like in Japan. I think I drank it during the pandemic. <laughs> but I'll replenish it. When we're uh, I know. Uh, well, hey, tough hey. Des- drastic measures. Got to do what you got to do. guest today, Ann Stewart, co-owner of Records with Merit, coming to you kind of live from Chris Mowry, our producer's home, slash Ann Stewart and Mary Merit's home and my home. We've talked a little bit today about, well, of course, our calendar, but basically Ann's life growing up, career, uh, moving on to the record store. Second two segments we're going to talk about a little bit today are what are some good things or what's something good happening in Kansas City that Ann wants to perhaps talk about and what's something that maybe the Kansas City music community slash industry needs? And is there something, organization, some human being, some movement, event in Kansas City you feel some affinity for that you want to let our audience know about today? Well, not a specific organization or or entity or or person. Um, I'm just, you know, I can't help but filter everything through the last six months. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and that goes into in, in the question about what do we do going forward. I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. Um, what my observation of, over the last six months is we're seeing the best of humanity and the worst of humanity. But what I'm seeing in our Kansas City communities, I work in the Volker neighborhood and I live in the Southside Park neighborhood. And mm-hmm. both neighborhoods um, are are. are really lovely and and very conscious about looking out for one another and checking in with one another and what do you need and how can I help you neighbor and and just mm. being, being part of that and being part of in the South Hyde Park being home for two months which I hadn't done in ever in my life right. and so to to get to know to know neighbors and 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 help each other out and this is what I've got that I can't use in my house 
would you like it? And can I offer it for free to you? And, and what do you, how can I help you? Just watching that. And, you know, when we, when it was getting time to um, reopen on May 15th, and I kind of had a panic attack the week before because I felt a lot of pressure because um, my partner, Marion is in three high risk groups. And I, and I had a, a lot of concern about, you know, am I going to be bring, bringing something home to her? And right. I, I have to be very, very careful. And then it, within an hour, I was like, what are, you, what are you thinking? The Kansas City vinyl community and the Kansas City music community are lovely. And mm-hmm. um, they're going to re- respect each other and they're going to respect my business and respect my partner. And I don't have anything to worry about. And I haven't had anything to worry about. So just witnessing... Um, witnessing that witnessing small business who's who dared to open up during a pandemic and people who flocked to support them mm-hmm. you, know, you it's beautiful you've only been in your home well, a year and a half yet is it oh it's three years oh geez totally loser three years yeah would you yeah chris laugh it up if you could all see chris right now he's, he's um what, would you say that was something you knew about that neighborhood when you moved there? Did you know some people that lived there or you just no. like the location? Yeah, just like the, just, just, just found our home. Um, and um, no, I had no idea. And it's, it's just very special to, to watch people taking care of one another. And, and, and granted, I can fixate on what's happening on a national level and get discouraged and, and angry and sad every day. But when I just look in my own community and, and what, what people are doing and how they're looking out for each other. And, and you know, I, uh, Steve Tulipanova was in the store a few weeks ago because we donated something to his online auction. And I told him, I said, look, I talk about you. I talk about the record bar every single day because it's, it's so vital to our community. And I'm mm-hmm. happy to see what people are, are banding together because we, we know we can't survive without the record bar. And mm-hmm watching musicians take care of each other and, and finding ways and, and figuring out Lemonade Park and what a beautiful opportunity. Yeah, we all bemoan not being able to see our favorite. I had concert tickets that you know are, are long gone. Um, but mm. to have this opportunity to go to Lemonade Park and the ship and, and, and other venues as we figure this out and support these local artists and who, I mean, you know, I've talked to musicians who are like, I've never gone this long in my life without playing with other musicians and how it, it's really kind of soul sucking to them and, and how meaningful it is that they can perform and how we get to go, get out and be social and feel normal and enjoy each other and, and support these beautiful musicians. And it's just so vital right now. And, and, and that's what I'm taking away with where we are right now. Understood. I think that's how you change society really is at that local that's it. neighborhood community level where you realize the person living next to you across the street, a couple blocks over, we're, we're all in it together if you think about it. And that's, I guess, what's so disheartening sometimes when you see national media or pictures of just some hateful, awful, terrible things like, what freaking neighborhood are you living in? Because my neighborhood doesn't look anything like that. You know, I just don't get of, it. At the, at the end of the day, we're all Midwesterners and, and right. nice folks. You know, we're kind to our neighbors. We're kind to each other. And and I, right. I, I grew up, you know, that was my mother. Good, good Lord. A, um, you know, she never met a stranger. And in her later years, um, we used to laugh. We had to add an extra half hour to any outing because she'd have a glass of wine and then she'd want to go to every table and talk to everybody in the restaurant. And it's like, okay, oh. well, you know, that's oh. how I grew up is that, you know, you're, you're just kind to people and you're good to people. I don't know what your story is. You don't know what my story is, but you deserve a basic level of humanity and decency. And, and that's how I was brought up. And that's, that's how I choose to live my life. And that, that's evidence the moment anybody walks into Records with Mary, both from you and Marion. I mean, it's just, and I'm sure my wife would tell you the same thing about me when I go out. I just, I want to talk to people. But right. then again, you also see neighborhoods in Kansas City that aren't like that. And even though we're from the Midwest and the general people are nice, we got some not nice people. <laughs> it's like I, do, I don't know where did that that community develop from, and how do we how do we bring them to understanding that you know we all do have to actively work together.
You know, we're just, we're faltering with this question with our guests. I, mean, I think, again, to the point, people are too nice to talk about what Kansas City could really use or do differently. Uh, we know we have great record stores here. We know we have great venues. We know we have great studios. We've got a lot of awesome, awesome pieces. But if there was something you feel like could help Kansas City support artists better or allow to make people's careers here, what we talk about so people don't have to move away, uh, to pursue their craft or make a living? Is there anything that comes to mind? That's the $64 million question. I mean, it, and, and again, I can't, I can't explore that outside of the lens in which we're living right now. Is it, it it's, mm -hmm. it's where, where do we go from here? Yeah. And um, I, I don't think anybody has, has those answers. I've listened to, you know, all of your podcasts with Steve and Michelle and everything they've had to say all through. Thoughtful. Oh, not Steve Michelle. <laughs> no. Um, Sometimes I mean Jim. <laughs> thoughtful and interesting, but 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 I I don't I don't know I don't know where we go from here. Um, I don't think. I honestly don't think that a, a lot of the struggles that we're facing right now are are unique to Kansas City. I think some of them are pet for It's like, do, can you can you can you sustain a living in Kansas City as a working musician? Mm -hmm. These are basic. And, and, and what do you need? What does that look like? And what support do you need? And, you know, insurance and more, and more services and, and, and those kinds of things. Um, but just some of the, that we alluded to earlier, some of the, the struggles that are, we're seeing in the music industry, um, that there's, that there's a reckoning. Um, right. When you, across the world with, 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 um, race inequality and with a, a, a me too reckoning and, and, and all of this. Mm -hmm. taking mm -hmm. the community. I, I realized that was a while ago when you were in Denver and I also realized you weren't necessarily working in the music industry at that time. So we're all the way back at what, 2001, you said? That's when I moved back. Yeah. Did you, did you notice anything about the, the scene there or, or were you involved in it like you are now? Again, maybe there's just totally apples to oranges. Like something they were doing well that we could be doing because I, I know a couple of people that they've moved to Denver to pursue to pursue music and I'm like what does Denver got that we don't have besides a bunch of traffic and exactly. overpriced homes exactly and, I mean yeah remember I was there uh, pre legalization so it was a completely different animal oh well that is one reason yeah. to move to Denver um, on the other hand Denver, maybe the most important yeah also if you're like in a in a jammy type band like go to Denver because that's where all yeah. of that is like yeah. thriving. Yeah. I think the artists, I won't name any names here. You're totally right, Chris, though. Um, they weren't in that particular genre. Field. They just, they're like, I'm moving to Denver. There's stuff going on there. And I'm like, there's stuff going on in Kansas City too. Well, then let's, let's just try one more stab at this. It's just been, I'm flailing with this question with everyone. Would you say there's something again that you've seen that's really improved in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, particularly whether it's within the record store community or I don't know, anything well, I mean, else. You know, we, uh, I, most Kansas Cityans don't know this, but there are probably more record stores per capita in Kansas City than in almost mm. other, um, you know, metropolitan city outside of Seattle and Portland. I mean, wow. I the city appreciates the the number of record stores and the diversity in record stores that, that we have. Yeah. And, and a lot of these stores are alternative venues. So we have, you know, one, that's one of the things that we've pri 
prided ourselves upon is that we could um, give give space to young bands um, who who couldn't you know weren't ready for a record bar. And I, I remember I told Steve this one time, and, mm -hmm. and he left. I said, "Look, you, this is your dress rehearsal for record bar. You got to figure out how to get here, unpack your stuff, yeah, start on time, be be professional, and know what to do because." You try to pull some of this stuff at record bar, you'll never be asked back. Mm -hmm. So uh, Steve mm -hmm. got a kick out of that, but it's it's true. It's like I can be your training ground, but you know, if if you're not going to be professional about it, you're you're not going to get an invite back from me, and you're certainly not get, ever going to get an invite from Steve Tulipana. So mm. um, it's 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 you know, I think that that's a good thing. Is it all give 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 what I like to call baby bands, and I'm not trying to be pejorative about that, but give these these young and mature, you know maturing bands an opportunity to to grow and to figure it out now that is an outstanding answer so you just blew everyone else away no offense jim steve michelle um because actually i think if you come to think of it every single record store does offer some sort of live events i know revolution's got it going on josie's we've already mentioned mills final renaissance uh brothers i don't know not so much. You're in a new space. Sure so, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing somebody thinking really fast right now. And I would even say that there's it's one of the reasons why we considered starting a label is just there's been a definite growth. I wouldn't quite say explosion in the number of alternative venues for artists to be able to do what they can do, whether it's a coffee shop or things like that. And that's that's encouraging because when I moved back in two thousand uh, recycled Sounds was yep. getting closed down. Uh, Penny Lane slash Streetside went under a couple of years later. Music Exchange, maybe 2008. And then the venues were shutting down. I'm like, oh, it's happening in my city. And then a few, seemed like just a few years later, then there was this resurgence. Right. Uh, and and our, our motto has always been... Um, you know, I would get I would get submissions from bands and say, listen to us, you know, consider allowing us to do it. For me, if it worked on a calendar, if it worked for whatever was going on in our lives at the time, you could get a booking of records with merit. I'm not here to judge your art. Mm -hmm. I'm here to give you just give you a space. You can own it for the evening and, and allow you to express yourself and and, and and become more professional at this and and right. you know, in a very safe way. Right. For future reference, everyone, assuming we can have safe live events in the future, if you're interested in performing at, at uh, Records with Merit, and who, who do they need to contact? Uh, you can contact Anne at Records with Merit. That's what I was trying to say is, I think a lot of times artists don't know that all they have to do is actually just reach out, whether it's yeah. they want radio airplay or to get a performance, they ju you just gotta ask. I feel I feel great about this. Is there anything, and you want to share before we get off the air here? Anything we missed out on? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I will never forget the day you walked into my store, or when your partner walked into my store, or the first time I had Calvin in my store. So those are all. Those are all memorable moments. Oh, I can't even imagine. Uh, you are such, and Marion, both of you, we are so fortunate to have you in our city. Records of Merit is an institution, uh, much much like Record Bar, I would say. Uh, and we've already mentioned there are a ton of other great record stores and venues yep. here as well. Um, I will do one last shameless plug though, everybody. There is another Record Store Day on October 24th and potentially a Black Friday one day after Thanksgiving. But if for any reason you haven't had a chance to get out and you're feeling safe, Records with Merit is a super safe place to go. The door's always open. I give Anne a hard time about it. You're throwing air conditioning out into the hot summer day, but it's well ventilated. There's a big old jug of hand sanitizer right in front of you. Masks, you name it, gloves. I got you covered. Plus alcohol. So, alcohol. Do I, have a the best, I have the best job in the world because I just make people happy all day long. <laughs> Anne Stewart, you're so kind to give your time with us say chris thanks again as always the zoom seems very fortunate kansas city we love you stay safe stay strong peace out